Um, I want to preach some ideas and things that are going to be really helpful for our teens. But it's also going to be helpful for all of us, I believe, because today I want to talk about vision. I want to talk about the vision that Jesus has for all of us in our lives. Because if you didn't know, Jesus has an incredible vision for you and for the things to come in your life. And it's important for us to connect with that and set our hearts and our minds on that. You know, camp is a great experience. I mean, I've, I've been to camp a few times, but as a counselor, but just seeing the teens and the amazing things that God does in such a short period of time is so cool. But we have to remember that, that camp is just a beginning. Camp is just a beginning for the rest of the year. It's a momentous experience that can set the tone for an incredible year with God. But if that's going to be the case, we have to have the vision that Jesus has for us to carry us on throughout the year. So again, it's directed towards the teens, but I think it's going to be really helpful for all of us. And I'm going to have a challenge for us as we think about how to help the teens um, as a church at the end. Okay, amen. Are you guys with me on this? So we're going to look at a few different scriptures, but we're going to specifically look at the vision that Jesus had for Peter, because I think that's a great illustration for the type of vision that Jesus has for all of us. So you can turn with me in your Bibles over to John chapter 1. Um, we're going to be in verse 40. And I don't typically like to do this, to skip around to different uh, passages and different books. But I think that's going to be really helpful for us as we kind of catch a vision for what Jesus saw with respect to Peter's life. So in John 1, in verse 40, so Jesus is really just getting started in his ministry. He's meeting different people. People are getting to know Jesus. And in this particular case, in verse 40, it says that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon, that being Peter, and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him. He looked at Simon, and he said, You are Simon, son of John, but you will be called Caiaphas. But you will be called Caiaphas. And Caiaphas uh, is the, the correct way to pronounce that word, but it's the Aramaic word which, when translated, is Peter or stone or rock. And so the crazy thing about this passage is that Jesus has just come in contact with Peter. I mean, maybe he had some experience with Peter prior to, but this is really their first major meeting. And he looks at Peter. It says that he looks at him. And I think that as I, as I visualize this, he looked at him intently. He saw into his soul. And he said, you're Simon, son of John, but you will be called Caiaphas. And what Caiaphas means is rock or stone. And I think what Jesus is saying here is that, yeah, okay, you're, you're Simon, son of John. That's who you are now, but you are going to be a rock. You're going to be a rock that's going to help to build my church. You're going to change the lives of many, many people because of your experience with me. And so right away, we see that Jesus has vision for Peter right off the bat. And I think that's true for all of us as well. In fact, one, one writer said this, The great thing about this story is that it tells us how Jesus looks at men. He does not only see what man is, right? Simon, son of John. He also sees what a man can become. He sees not only the actualities in man, he also sees the possibilities. Jesus looked at Peter and saw him not only a Galilean fisherman, 
which is cool. I mean, that's great, right? People need to eat, so, so that's a good thing. But he saw in him who he could become, and that was a rock who would help to build his church. Jesus sees us not only for who we are, but what we can become. And that's true for all of us, as bad as it gets, which we'll see in a minute. But Jesus has a vision. He also goes on to say Jesus is the one who sees and can release the hidden hero in every man. You know, the theme, the theme for camp this year was marvelous. And as you heard, it was based on some of the different Marvel characters. And they got to talk about different superheroes and the amazing powers that they had and all the ways that they help people. But the reality is that Jesus is the ultimate hero, right? No one's done anything greater than Jesus. But he also sees in us the potential for all of us to be a hero. That's Jesus' vision for all of us, that through him we can all be heroes. And I want to stress that with the teens, that yes, you probably started to catch a vision for that at camp. But don't let it stop there. Connect with the vision that Jesus has for you all throughout the rest of this year. And sometimes it's easy to lose sight of that. Sometimes it's easy to get tripped up in life and, and to get focused on other things and feel defeated and feel like you're off track and you're, you're just missing the point or maybe you're sinning and all these other things. But don't lose sight of the vision that Jesus has for your life because he wants you to do great things and he will enable you to do those things if you just stay focused on him. Can I get an amen to that? Can I get a hallelujah to that? Why not, right? Hallelujah. That's an amazing thing. But you see, Jesus didn't lose sight of that for Peter throughout his ministry. And Peter blew it. I mean, Peter blew it time and time again. But he held on to that vision for Peter, and he holds on to that vision for all of us. Turn with me in your Bibles over to Matthew 16. We're going to read verses 13 through 20. And so remember, at this point, this is well into Jesus' ministry. So the disciples had been following him for some time, and Peter was with them, uh, with Jesus for some time. And there's this really cool interaction that Jesus has with Peter in Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. It says, When Jesus came to the re region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And check this out. He says, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the, king, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth, will be, on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. But what we have to see before this passage is in Matthew 15, this was when Jesus was walking to the disciples on water. And the disciples are in the boat. And Peter sees Jesus on water, and he says, let me, let me walk to you on the water. And so he gets out of the boat and he starts to walk on water for just a short period of time. But then he loses focus and he sinks and Jesus saves him. And Jesus says to him, why did you lose faith? Why did you doubt? What happened? I thought you were focused on me. What, what distracted you? But he lost faith. He doubted. Peter blew it. 
But then shortly thereafter, we see this experience. You see, Jesus never gave up on Peter, and he never gives up on us. And to the teens, he will never, ever give up on you either. And this is, this is incredible what he says to them. I mean, he asks the disciples who he is, and they have diff- they're, they're saying that, well, people say different things about you. But then he's like, who do you guys say I am? I've been with you all this time. Who do you say I am? And then Peter so confidently says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He gets it right. And Jesus says, you couldn't have come up with that on your own. That's not something that you could have just figured out intellectually by yourself. That was revealed to you from heaven. So even though you doubted and you blew it and you, you, you sank, you know, previously, we still revealed, my father still revealed to you who I was, who I am. And then he responds with this amazing vision for Peter. He says, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're Simon, son of Jonah, son, son of John, but I call you Peter. It's the same name that he gave him prior to. He's still holding on to the vision for Peter, even though he blew it. And he says, this vision for you is that I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. I'm going to open up this whole thing through you. I'm going to give you the opportunity to open up the door for hundreds and thousands and generations after them and generations after them to know me, to enter the kingdom. I mean, what an incredible vision for Peter, even though he blew it. I mean, that's, that, that's amazing that even though we fail, even though we mess up, Jesus still has vision for us. One writer said this, the, pro- the promise that Peter would have the, kingdom, the keys of the kingdom was a promise that Peter would be the means of opening the, go- the door to God for thousands upon thousands of people in the days to come. And we saw that come to fruition in Acts 2, where Peter preaches the first sermon about Jesus, and then the people there, the Jews, are like, man, we're cut to the heart. What do we do? And he's like, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, but it's also for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And that was done through Peter. But it's not only Peter who has the keys of the kingdom. Every Christian has those keys. For it is to op- open to every one of us to open the door of the kingdom to some other And so to enter into the great promise of Christ. You see, Jesus had that vision for Peter, but he also has that vision for all of us. We can live changed lives in the kingdom of God, but we can help other people live that changed life too. We we have the opportunity to give people the best life possible. And that's true for you as well, teens. You can be so inspiring to so many people at your school, but even right here in church, to see your faith, to see how you grow, to see how you face challenges and and, and go through it and persevere and seek help and make a change and a difference in your life and all those around you. That's Jesus' vision for your life. And he holds on to that unswervingly. So I encourage you, as the year goes on, and, and things happen, and, and maybe you sort of lose sight at different points for different reasons. Come back to the vision that Jesus has for you in your life. It's an incredible vision, and he has that for you no matter what happens. He's going to hold on to that for you. And we see this in Mark 16 as well. Turn over with me in your Bibles in Mark 16. So this is the end of Jesus' life on earth. He's been crucified. He's died. You know, he, 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 he uh, descended 
and now he's resurrected. And the women come to the tomb, and they're looking for Jesus. They're looking for the body. They're looking for his dead body. And this is what is said, and I want you to pay close attention to what is said about Peter here, because I think it's easy for us to miss it. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, Jesus after sunrise, or just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. So again, this is a, a time when Jesus has died, he was crucified, but he's resurrected. And the women come to the tomb looking for a dead body. And there's an angel there, and he says, you're in the wrong place. You're looking for a dead person. Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. He's resurrected. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Peter was the only one that was specifically named. And let's not, let's not forget that this was right after Peter had just denied Jesus three times. Not once, not twice, but three times in Jesus' greatest moment of need. Where, was his, where were his friends? Where were they? Where was Peter, his right-hand man? He dipped. He was out. He was afraid. Right? He, went, he went back to fishing. He went back to what he knew. But what does the angel say? He says, go and get the disciples and make sure Peter is there. That's amazing that God, throughout the whole process, even though Peter failed and he denied him three times, he's like, man, I still got vision for you, Peter. I still am going to give you the keys of the kingdom. I still believe in you. Even though you failed over and over and over again, I still have this amazing vision for your life. One author said this, but the most precious thing in this passage is in two words, which are in no other gospel. Go, said the messenger, tell his disciples and Peter how that message must have cheered Peter's heart when he received it. He must have been tortured with the memory of his disloyalty, and suddenly there came a special message for him. It was characteristic of Jesus that he thought not of the wrong Peter had done him, or of the remorse that he, but of the remorse that he was undergoing. Jesus was far more eager to comfort the penitent sinner than to punish the sin. It has been said, and this is, this is pay close attention to this, this is, this is awesome. The most precious thing about Jesus is the way in which he trusts us on the field of our defeat. And sometimes we're just defeated. Sometimes we just mess up. Sometimes we just fail. We just blow it. But Jesus doesn't give up on us there. He still holds to the vision that he has for our life. He believes in us through it all. And so the message that I want to share with you teens today that I want to encourage you to remember is that Jesus has vision for your life. 
greater than vision that you have for your own life, greater than any kind of vision that I can have for you, that your parents can have for you. Jesus has amazing things for you to do. And so you probably, you know, caught an idea of that and maybe what that looked like at camp. But don't let go of that. Don't lose sight of that vision. Hold on to it. Go to Jesus for that vision. Ask him. Plead with him. Pray to Jesus to reveal that to you and hold on to it. Hold on to it because that will help to direct your life. And that's really true for all of us. I mean, this isn't just a message for the teens. It's really true for all of us that even when we fail, even when we blow it, Jesus believes in us. He has great things for every single person in this room. If you would just connect with that, if you would just reach out for that. And so what I, what I want to also encourage the teens to do is to not dis, get discouraged when you stumble as time goes on. You know, often we talk about the camp high. You know, camp feels great. And then you come home and you have all these great ideas. And somewhere along the way, that, that camp high can fizzle out. And that's just life. I mean, that's just reality. And that's okay. I mean, those momentous occasions are meant to carry us to a place where we grab on and we hold on and we get ready for those struggles. But you persevere and you push through those by sticking to your commitment and sticking to the vision that Jesus has for your life. Maturity is about doing what you know and believe to be right, even when you don't feel like it and persevering in that way. There's going to be times where you don't feel like getting into your Bible or feel like praying or feel like connecting. But you've got to push through those times because God will build perseverance in your life. He's going to develop your character that way. But again, you have to hold on to that vision. I also want to encourage the teens to seek a mentor. Seek somebody that can help you. I mean, you know, if you live in a situation where your, your parents are there, I mean, of course, they're going to help you. So reach out for them. But reach out beyond that. I mean, Mark and Fiona do an incredible job with our teen ministry. So reach out to them. They're there for you. But we're here for you as well. We're a community that believes in you. I mean, we love you. We want to see the best for you. And so reach out. Seek help from mentors in your life, people that have vision for you as well, that will help you get there. Surround yourselves with those types of people, and you will succeed. You will hold on to the vision that Jesus has for you. But I also have a challenge for the church. So I want to really talk to all of us here today as we think about and consider these ideas. I want us, and I want to call us, to be a body of believers that has vision for our young people. Not just after they come home from camp, but all throughout the year. Let's have vision for them. Let's see the great things and the great people that they can be for God. And let's really help them to live that out. I want to challenge us to be effective mentors for our young people, to call people higher, to see the great in them and bring it out. We can't just say great things about our young people. We've got to be great things for our young people and help them to find those things in themselves. Can we create environments in this church, in this community, not just in the teen ministry, I mean, the teen ministry is there for a purpose, right? And they do a great job. But, but it's, it, sometimes it can be an invisible silo. It can build sort of boundaries uh, around the teen ministry that we need to break through. Because really the teen ministry is all of our ministries, right? And, and that's true for the singles ministry, campus ministry. I mean, we are one ministry. But we've got to believe that. We've got to help our young people. We need to create environments that enable Christ to be formed in our youth. 
Can we have the spirit of Paul and say, as he says in Galatians 4.19, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. That's the type of attitude and belief we have to have for our young people and for each other, that we see Christ formed in the body in the Hudson Valley Church. So again, I hope that you find this, this message here about the vision that Jesus has for us through Peter, but, but of course also for us, inspiring. I hope you find it convicting. I hope that you go back and read these scriptures again and really study it out through the life of Peter and consider how Jesus works in our lives. And again, really try to connect with that vision because God has a vision for you, for each of us, beyond our imagination. Can I get an amen one more time from the church? Thank you. I love you. I'll see you in a little bit. Amen.